1: Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs,
0: raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your
1: weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. (laughs) And now we'd like to introduce your host.
0: She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Meg Brunson. Brunson. Hello again, and welcome to episode number 35 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Figure Out Facebook Live, my free mini course. You may have heard that the Facebook algorithms are changing and Facebook is showing your business page posts even less than they used to be. If you wanna give your content the best chance of getting seen, then you need to start implementing Facebook Live videos. Go to megbrenson.com slash Facebook Live to download the free workbook and access the free mini course so that you can figure out Facebook Live for your business today. And now for today's guest. He has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the LA Times. He's the chief mammal of the money mammals, teaching kids to share, save, and spend smart. And today, I'm excited to explore issues related to money and allowance with the author of the new book for parents, the Art of Allowance, a short practical guide to raising money smart, money empowered kids. Welcome, John Lanza. Hi, John. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Meg. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm really excited. I'm a parent that's involving my kids in entrepreneurship. So, the topic of financial literacy is really important to me and to most of our listeners. We not only want our kids to develop the skills to make their own money, but also to manage it once they have it. So I'd love to start by asking you about earning money. Should we, as parents, be tying an allowance to chores? Is that a good way to start teaching our kids about money?
1: We, this, is, this is always the, uh, the loaded question in the, in the allowance discussions. And here's the reason we we advocate, or I advocate for not tying an allowance to chores. Um, And the reason is, is that the allowance, the purpose of an allowance is to teach your kids to get comfortable with using money right it's it's a teaching tool that's what it is now you do have to be explicit about that and you do and what we kind of do is provide a why behind it so i think the issue that people have with an allowance is they feel like it's a handout because just just the name allowance is that that feels like that but as long as the kids understand that they're getting this money for a reason and that reason is to teach them to learn to become money smart and to learn the money smart skills, like those core skills of kind of distinguishing between needs and wants, setting and saving for goals, making smart money choices. As long as you make that clear to them, then the lesson from allowance makes sense and it's useful. Chores teach a different lesson and that lesson, which is no less valuable, but it's a different lesson. And that lesson is you need to work in order to earn money. Now that doesn't mean you can't give them chores. But for example, our kids have to empty the dishwasher. As just one example, they are not going to get paid for that. And the reason they're not going to get paid for that is that's just what they do (laughs) as a part of the family. And they can't opt out of that. And there could come a time, you know, I have now a 15 year old, and if she's making money doing something else, she can't say, you know what, I don't need the money for that. If in the case that we were paying her for that chore, she can't opt out of that. So, we would have presented her with a false choice by paying her for that chore. Now we could give her other jobs. Like she'll do some jobs around for the company. She'll do work around the house that maybe we would be paying someone to do. So for example, if she uh, were to to, um, wash the car, we would pay her for that. That's kind of, uh, it's been called like an above and beyond chore, but the basic chores we don't tie. And that's just because there's two different lessons you're trying to teach. Allowance. Is about teaching kids about money, getting responsible with money. Chores are teaching them about how to how, – that you need to earn money by working.
0: I like that, differentiating between the things that are kind of just expected as a contributing family member right? versus things that are above and beyond helpful or things you would pay somebody else to do. I'm not going to pay somebody to come do my dishes.
1: Yeah, there's one other really good kind of um, – byproduct of that. And that is when you have kids who are doing chores, there's naturally going to be conflict with those chores because they just don't want to do them. I mean, I I wish my kids were were wonderful enough to say, sure, dad, I'd love to empty the dishwasher again, but there's always a conflict with it. And then what happens is if you tie those basic chores to money, then it becomes, oh, well, I'm not going to pay you for this. And it ramps, it can ramp up very easily and become, then what happens is you get this negativity that starts to kind of coalesce around money. And that's one of the really key things we're trying to do is kind of reduce the, there's so much negativity societally around money. And we want to kind of reduce that negativity. We want to have as much kind of positivity around money and open conversation. And that by, you kind of reduce the conflict in this way. And that's, it's just, it's kind of a nice byproduct of of why you why it's good to kind of take uh, pull those two things apart or decouple allowance and chores.
0: Now, how do you decide how much money you should give them as a parent? Especially, I've got four kids, so <laughs> I need to try to keep some of that money in my pocket too.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this this may be a longer answer, but let me I'll kind of go through the continuum of ages. So let's just start with a five year old. So the basic setup for a five-year-old, and this is kind of most money experts that deal talk about kids and money will talk about this idea, which is $5 for a five-year-old per week. So it's basically the amount of dollars based on your age per week, right? And, and then you so for a six-year-old, they get $6 per week. And each week you give them, in our case, this is how we did this. So we broke it up into five dollars and then we'd have three jars okay there are three clear jars and you want clear jars rather than a piggy bank because you want we're not trying to hide the money we're trying to keep the money open it's kind of a metaphor for the whole open conversation we're trying to have with the kids so the three jars are the share which is charitable giving save and then which is for longer term things and then spend smart okay and the and we didn't invent the three jar system um, but this three-jar system really does work. And so you have share and save and spend smart. And you take those, those $5, you put one into share. And the idea here is you are kind of nudging them or opting them in to charitable giving because you think that's a good thing for them to learn. Uh, $1 goes into save. So you're kind of opting them into this idea of paying yourself first. And stuff in the save jar can be saved for longer-term goals. And then the, the other $3 can go anywhere, but let's just, for argument's sake, say they go into the spend smart jar. Now, the reason we call it spend smart is we just want them to be thinking about that money. It's kind of like an aspirational term. When you spend your money, be thinking about it. That doesn't mean they're going to be smart every time they spend their money. Just like every time we spend our money, we're not, always very, we're not always smart about it. But it's just something for them to think about. So that's the basic setup, right? And then what you want to do kind of as soon as possible is get them saving for a goal. So we don't want to really be talking about this idea of saving for a rainy day, particularly like for a five-year-old, because that's way too abstract for a five-year-old. So we want them to be saving for something that's going to take them anywhere between, say, two to four or six weeks for their first goal. So it might be something in the kind of $15 to $20 range. So that they get some delayed gratification, right? They 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 can't get immediate; they won't get that thing immediately. But it's not too far off that they lose track of that goal. So an, an example is they might be saving for a scooter. Um, I use that example because that's what my daughter saved for. She still has her scooter. She's 15 now. She still has that same Razor scooter that she bought, and and she saved for it. And, and over the period, I think it was about eight weeks that it took her to save for that goal. But what she did is she pasted the picture on the jar so that she had that as kind of an external visualization. And we, they set up kind of SMART goals, and SMART being the acronym um, that is going to be specific, measurable, um, accessible, um, relevant and time-based, so it's all those things that acronym SMART goals, and that's what you want. So you say it's specific. She's saving for the uh, the scooter. It is measurable. You write down how long it's probably going to take them. Um, it is something that's attainable. Excuse me, attainable. So it's something that's for a for a five or six year old. You want something that's not going to take too long, and then relevant. It's a goal they want, and then time-based. You identify how long that's going to take. And so that's a, that's a great way to get things started. And then you move it as they get to be six, they get $6, seven, they get seven. Now what happens is then they move into, when they become say a tween or a teenager, we create what's called the breakthrough allowance. And in this case, their responsibility is going to increase markedly. And so will their allowance. So now my kids and you, this will be different for different kids when you're going to start it up. But it's going to be anywhere between, say, 10 and 14 years old. And so now they're getting $100 per month, right? But they're responsible for all their clothes. They're responsible for their communication, phone, right? They are also responsible for presents. And they're responsible for kind of food. Now, I don't mean they have to go forage. and uh, uh, But this is just like food out if they go out with their friends. That's... that. That kind of food they they're responsible for, and it sounds like a lot of money. If you have if you're not doing an allowance, you think to yourself, whoa, that's that's a lot of money. But it's $100 per month. We're not talking about $100 per week. We're talking $100 per month. You pay that in a lump sum, so they get used to kind of dealing with those lump sum amount. And if, when you really track, if you track that versus what you might be paying them, kind of just out of pocket for what they want, you're most likely going to be paying lot less with this kind of allowance. So that gives you a kind of general continuum of how the process might work.
0: I really like that. And definitely when you said $100, I, my eyes kind of popped like, holy moly, my oldest <laughs> 10, which means and I consider her a tween. Yeah. And I can't even imagine. I mean, the thought of giving her $100. Oh, but I like how you broke it down that that's going to cover birthday presents that she buys for her friends because she gets invited to parties all the time and her own clothes. And Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. So does that mean that you don't buy any of that stuff for your kids? Like if they run out of money and have a birthday party to go to, what happens?
1: No, they just have to have it covered. So there are a few ways you can deal with that. So uh, you're going to have different kids that are going to have issues with spending that money Quickly, um, but that tends to be in the first one or two months, and then that kind of normalizes. You know, I, I mean, this—it's pretty typical that what will happen is, yes, the kid may blow their money right off the bat, but they'll get better as the months go on. But no, we don't—we will not kind of bail them out, and that's kind of a key thing—is just saying no. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions. You know, you could, first of all, uh, for example, you could offer your kid a loan, and then you can teach them a little bit about paying that money back. That's perfectly fine. You offer them a loan, offer them some kind of payment terms. You know, you don't have to be... So the answer to the question is, no, we don't cover those things. But that doesn't also mean you can't surprise them with uh, some kind of food out on the boulevard or whatever it might be. Those, those kind of things are perfectly fine. They just need to know that on a more consistent basis, you are not going to be stepping in and paying for their presence covering their phone charges or paying for their, you know, whatever it is, their Starbucks drink or whatever they're kind of uh, getting with their friends.
0: And do you still do the three jars for your teens?
1: They're now into three digital jars. So okay. they did. So our oldest, just to give you an example, she started at five with the three jars and then we transitioned her to a digital allowance. So she's got her debit card now and it is broken up into the three areas, the share, save and spend smart. And um, and then, of course, and then she has, what we do is we have a chart that, that we use. It's basically like a budget that we used as part of the negotiation for how much she was going to make. Now, our oldest actually gets 125, uh, and then the youngest gets 100. And that, both of them, they were a negotiation back and forth. So with the oldest one, we sat down and just said, so here's how many friends you think you're going to buy for and over the per- course of the year, she wanted $25 per pres- per present. We said 20. We multiplied that and then just divide it by 12, and that's what she gets on a monthly basis. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah.
0: Huh. Gosh, I have two questions. Which way do I want to go? <laughs> um, <laughs> how much input do you think that we as parents should inject in how the kids are managing their money? So for me drives me nuts when my kids, you know, get some birthday money or something and they want to blow it on like candy or chips and things like that versus something I consider to have more value. So how do you decide how much input you have?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There is no one answer to it. But for us, for example, I would say the younger the kid, the more you're going to take and just say you might say, so let's just say they get $25, right? Uh, It's a five year old. You might take 10 to 15 of that and stick it in their account that you set up for them and just kind of keep that as part of their savings account, separate from the three jars, and then just give them the rest to do what they want with. Some kids might actually take some of that money and put it in a save jar and the share jar. Majority of kids are probably just going to want to spend that money perfectly fine. And then as they get older, they're going to get the money, you know, so you can't hide it from them. You know, they, they, get, the 20, they get that $50 check or whatever it is. They're like, that's my $50 check. And different kids will kind of deal with that differently. And you can require, you know, one of the funny things that happened is uh, my mom got involved and she would send, for example, I remember her sending $15, three fives, okay, one said share, one said save, and one said spend smart. And so that's, that's one way you can work it out. But it's really, it's, it really is. Dep- it depends on what your priorities are as a parent. And you can kind of do that however you want to do it. Uh, We tend to, now that they're older, they're, you know, they're now 12 and 15, they get their money and they just decide what they're going to do with that birthday money, right?
0: And then what advice do you have for the parent who's terrible with money themselves? How can a parent effectively teach their child if they know they're not setting the best example that they should be?
1: I actually think that's one of the real big opportunities about going through this process. Is that because I am not money genius? Um, I've learned from plenty of mistakes. I think one, you do you share some of those mistakes. I mean, don't you know if you're having you know huge money issues, you don't want to scare the heck out of your kids, but it's certainly worth talking to them about the mistakes that you've made and say that you know you can tell them that they're going to make mistakes too. You should advise them if you think they're making a bad purchase decision, but. The reason that I think this is an opportunity is that we're talking about the basics. So I think what really throws people off is that they feel like money is such a kind of complex thing. There's so much kind of weightiness behind money societally, and they may feel uncomfortable because of a certain amount of debt they have amassed. But when you get to the basics, so distinguishing between needs and wants, saving for goals, and making smart money choices, everybody can do that. And you can actually it can help you reset yourself. I, mean, I found this. I found this consistently. I remember my kids telling me. I remember I broke my phone one time, and I turned and I said, "Oh, I need to get another iPhone." And my daughter looked at me. and She said, "You don't need another iPhone." <laughs> I said, uh, "Point taken. I get that." I said, "But I do want one." <laughs> and th- and that that just kind of illustrates a, a, a minor point, and that is that you can look at, look at it as an opportunity to kind of reflect on what may have caused problems for you in the past these basics if you get back down to these basics you can kind of get things figured out and really more than anything if you've had difficulty you just have to you have to put that aside and start talking to your kids about money because i've you know i've run into parents who will say oh i don't want to have that discussion with my kids because I want them to be kids said that we're not talking about them not being kids the the money discussion is being thrown at them from the time they're two years old if not earlier because of all the marketing that's out there right so you kind of owe it to them to start a conversation so you kind of have to just deal with the money shame everybody has it and it's an opportunity for all of us I've I've, I've found that this process has been just as fulfilling for me, if not more fulfilling for me than it was for my kids because you just it just forces you to kind of come to terms with some of the money issues that you might have. But you don't want to not have that conversation because they're getting this information out there. They're getting the spend message. So you got to get across to them other messages, spend smart, share, and save, right?
0: No, you're exactly right. Um, Part of the reason I most of the stuff I do actually is because I want my kids to be better off than I feel like I was when I became an adult. You know, I went to college and quickly realized how easy it was to get approved for a credit card. (laughs) And uh, I don't I don't want that to be their reality. So it's trying to figure out how to teach them these things as a kid. And and I agree with you, too. I get a lot of the same pushback when I talk about my kids having a business well, I wouldn't want my kids to have a business. I want them to be kids. Well, they still play outside and scooter and fight with their friends. And I mean, they're not missing out on being kids, but they have just this other fun project that fuels them. So I love that answer. You've mentioned, you mentioned earlier about viewing money as a tool versus viewing it as a goal. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like that really stood out to me. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet I do it wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't, it's, it's, it's so much less about doing it wrong and right. You know, I think it's, I, the whole thing is a process. So what we're trying to do is get our kids to think and, and really some, to some extent ourselves to think money smart, right? But we want to eventually get to this, pa- this, this uh, area of mon- money empowerment. And that is, when I, when I think of money empowerment, I just think of someone who totally uses money as a tool. Like and, and they have control of the money. And it's not about uh, amounts of money because wealth is different for different people, but it is—it's money empowerment means that money does not hold sway over you. You hold sway over your money, right? So that is going to take a certain amount of money for everybody. But the more that you know about how to control your money and control yourself, you know, this, this is one of the things. I, the sooner a kid can learn that the happiness – that comes from a purchase is fleeting the better off they are. You know, I mean, how long, I mean, I can't even tell you. It took me, I I'm like a reformed addict when it comes to spending, you know, and, and when I, and when I say reformed, it, it's, it's, it's similar in the sense that I still, it still will be in the back of my mind that man, if I got that, it would feel so good. But I am now at least understand, it'll feel good for about a day because we habituate into all of our purchases and within very little time whether that purchase is an expensive car or an expensive watch or even even something that's not not expensive very soon we habituate into that that's just it is just what it is like now we just have that that car and it's not we don't really It's not much now we're just comparing the day-to-day of that car versus the this car is better than my old car And we just want that, we want that to get across to our kids. And it's a process. That's not to say that my kids don't, um, are are, uh, pros at understanding this. It's a process where you kind of have to continually have that conversation where they'll make a purchase. And then you'll see that you'll see their wheels spinning when they realize, oh, that wasn't such a great purchase. And then you can have the conversation You say, oh, yeah, that reminds me of the time that I bought, you know, whatever, whatever uh, it is. A good example is a car. Like, so I have this 2002 Honda CRV and the kids are constantly asking me to get a new car. I said, why would I get a new car? This car runs perfectly fine and you guys would treat this car like a crappy couch, whether it was a new car or or an old car. (laughs) So I don't care. And that's, that's, You know, and and that's, that's the kind of thing we want to get to what we want them to understand is that there is no, there's no, the purchasing is not going to bring them any kind of happiness in the long run, right? It's not going to solve any big problems.
0: Right. So what are, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people making when it comes to teaching their kids about money?
1: Well, I think the biggest mistake is just not starting the process and thinking that, you know, they're kids will be, I want my kids to be kids and I don't want to get, get started. And a lot of that comes back to what you brought up before, which is that I think people feel either some shame around money or that they feel guilty or they feel like they're not experts. I can tell you straight up right now, like I said before, I am not a money, I'm not an investing expert, but I do know a, I'm, I'm an expert when it comes to teaching kids about money. Because I've been doing it and I've been talking to lots of kids and parents for a long time. And you just have to jump in. You have to start the conversation. Because otherwise, other forces and or people are going to be the ones that are going to be teaching your kids. And you would rather have your values instilled into your kids than other people's values and other entities' values instilled in your kids.
0: Mm, That makes sense. Can you tell me a little bit about your book? I feel like you've dropped a ton of value here. <laughs> my wheels are spinning on you know, what I should do next, what my first steps should be in implementing some of this advice. And I'm sure that you dive deeper into a lot of these topics and more. I mean, we, we barely even scratched the surface on those core skills that should be taught. So will the book walk us through all that?
1: Yeah, that's the reason I, I wrote the book was to give, I wanted to give parents a short, simple guide to doing this, to getting started with an allowance. And like I start, like I uh, kind of outlined the beginning, it'll walk you through starting early and then having it kind of grow with them as they get older and they start this kind of breakthrough allowance. And uh, I even have a, a free kind of Google Doc that people can use as a... Um, Uh, as something they can download and use to create that budget as they get older, if they want to do that for their tween or teens um, on our site. And so, and then we have lots of little kind of tips and tricks that are in there. So a good example of one of those tips would be you can use the waiting period. And so as they get older, their spend jar will start to accumulate more money, right? So they could have, they could get something uh, a good example would be like they could get a pair of shoes that say seventy bucks right, but we have a waiting period anything that's over fifty dollars, okay regardless if, if it's in that spend jar, so it either has to be in the save jar and it's, and it has something and you, we know you're saving for it or if it's in the spend jar and it's over fifty dollars, you have to wait a week before you purchase that and you know that's 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 just a way of making sure that's something you actually do want to purchase, and very often it is not something. That they will want to purchase. But sometimes it is. Like my daughter just got a pair of roller skates and she'd been talking about it over and over and over, and finally we're like, okay, that's you have that money, that's fine. Well, you can also put uh you can change that so that if it's a hundred dollars, it's two weeks. So you can adjust that and however it works for you. You may only feel you may feel comfortable with $25. Anything over 25 should be one week. I that is up to you. And that's That's why I called it the art of allowance is that you have to just make it work for you. I just provide kind of a framework for doing it and then you make it your
0: own. Well, I'm smiling because there's a part of me that wants to make sure my husband never finds out about that book because if he starts putting a waiting (laughs) period on when I can spend my money, it's going to be rough for me. <laughs> like great tips i probably should implement that for some of my impulse buys uh, but like i said all i can think about is the backlash from my husband and him putting that into effect for me
1: your secret is safe with me <laughs>
0: he just can't listen to this episode <laughs> right? <laughs> so where can our listeners find out more about you and buy your book
1: So the easiest place is just go to theartofallowance.com. So all the social links are there. Um, You can also get information to our Money Mammals program because this originally started with the Money Mammals, which was what we created that program uh, over a decade ago. My wife and I came up with the idea because we just want to get kids excited about financial literacy. And then I wrote the book, The Art of Allowance because I, I, I knew that parents needed a plan to kind of capture the excitement for the money mammals. The, and the book works as a standalone from the money mammals, but that information is available there. So if you go to theartofallowance.com, if you go into the resources, you can get that Google Doc spreadsheet of the Breakthrough Allowance, which you can just copy and set up your own budget for your own kids. So that's a good, good, good place. And there's some other resources there. But everything is right there. That's probably the easiest way to, to find out the information of the book and more,
0: and I've loved this breakdown. I really have because we don't currently give our kids an allowance. And just today, um, my kids came up to me. They're going on a, a little field trip, and they wanted some money. And I, I gave them each six bucks because that's what I happen to have an even, you know, break breakdown of in my wallet for two kids. Um, <laughs> but I'd love to put something like this in place where it's more regular the rules are clearly defined and they start to really learn those skills because they're going to come home tonight and tell me how they spent that money. And I'm going to be disappointed. I know it because it's going to be junk food that they consumed or just tokens that they spent on games. But I think that if we included it, if it was an allowance based, it would be more tangible for them because they would see, you know, they would start to to feel that pain themselves of not having Money next week, or whatever the case may be.
1: I'm glad you brought that up, Meg, because the 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 big advantage is when you're when you're giving them their money, it's their money, and they are much smarter about their money than they are about your money.
0: I bet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so once they take when they get that ownership of the money, now the one thing that caution caution parents is when you do start there's going to be some tension because they're used to just getting money. They're going to beg. They're still going to come back and try to beg you for money. You have to be prepared to say no. And if you're prepared to do that, it, it doesn't take that long for them to realize that, okay, this is my money. And then they take ownership of it. And they're so much smarter about their money than they are about your money. <laughs>
0: That's so great. And you wanted to, you offered a book to give away, right? An autographed copy of that book?
1: Yep. I would love to offer that to your audience.
0: So we'll do that for our listeners and we'll put it right in the, the show notes of this episode. We'll run it for probably about two weeks just to give people time to to listen. But we'll mm-hmm. outline all the details in the show notes so our listeners can go there, check it out, see if, uh, if, if it's still open, if they've still got time to enter <laughs> or not. Uh, but I think great. That that's great. Because like I said, this has been super valuable and I I look forward to sharing it and implementing some of those tips with our kids.
1: Well, Meg, I appreciate everything that you do. And uh, we didn't really get into the entrepreneurial side of things, but what you do and, and getting that out to teach kids about entrepreneurship is huge. And it totally kind of ties into this idea of having money control of money and money empowerment. So I'm really glad to be able to talk to you and talk to your audience about this this topic.
0: Thanks so much, John. Thanks, Meg. Wow. This couldn't have come at a better time for my family. We were just talking about whether we wanted to implement allowances or not, how we want to handle money issues as our kids are getting older and starting to ask for money more often. And then we've got a couple of little ones who aren't quite there yet, but we definitely want to set them off on the right foot. So I really appreciate all the tips and tricks that were presented in this episode and look forward to getting the book because I'm sure that there's a ton of value in there that we're going to learn from as well. Now last week, if you didn't listen to that episode, I really want to encourage you to go back and meet Gelly Akenblatt. She's an entrepreneur, community leader, speaker, professional networker, internet TV show co-host, mentor, and most importantly, a mom. She believes in the importance of having a strategy when engaging in face-to-face networking and in the power of building and maintaining strategic relationships. She's the CEO and founder of the second largest networking group in Phoenix called NetworkingPhoenix.com. And in that episode, she dives into valuable tips for in-person networking, how her experience as a refugee emigrating from the Soviet Union fueled her entrepreneurialism, and what it looked like when she divorced her husband and business partner. Next week, I'm excited to welcome Gabrielle Nicolay to the show. She's a speech-language pathologist who has more than 15 years of experience working with young children with speech and language difficulties and other special needs. She's the owner of Speech Kids, a private practice serving children and families in Washington, D.C. metro area, and the creator of the Toddler Talk online program for parents. She calls herself an accidental entrepreneur and recently began to grow her business in order to become the primary breadwinner for her family. She is currently living in D.C. with her husband and two teenage children, and she tells the story of her son's most recent business adventures as well, which is really exciting to listen to. Subscribe to the podcast today so you don't miss it. Thanks for joining me again this week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye. us a paper share this podcast to a friend it's like my mom always says sharing is caring